I'm Holiday. I'm Tarrant. I'm Independence Day. Oh, a microphony. And a phony at the mic. Get Whoa! Over there. <laughs> and now, on with the opera. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. Play, Don. Would you welcome Mr. Warm? Picture it. Sicily, 1920. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Killers, Cults, and Nut Jobs 2.0, where we cover all crime. I am, as always, your host, the great, great white snark, Scotty J. And joining me on this descent into madness is the lovely and beautiful Monica. Hi. Oh, she's so cheery tonight. Well, you know, that's my thing now. So. Right. Well, because um, I couldn't think of anything after, like, right. <laughs> Couldn't think of it half the time, and yeah. but you you just come out of the gate with that you know big roaring high. But oh, we got a great one this week for you, folks. This is one that I've wanted to do for years. I I remember hearing the story when I was a kid, but I've always wanted to do this story on this show, and now I've got a chance to do it. We're going to talk about Americans, America's favorite heiress, Patty Hearst. I thought it was um, Paris Hilton. Oh, but no, I would I would take Patty one. over Paris. Uh, yeah. And not just because because of what Patty did. I mean, I, I seen the pictures of Patty when she was young. She was quite beautiful. Yeah, it's like. When the museum actually existed back in, yeah, down in Washington, they had, um, I'm pretty sure it was there that I saw the coat she had on. Oh, the, the coat from the robbery? Yeah. And some like news clippings or something. Right. Where's the museum at now? It doesn't exist now. They closed it, which stinks because it was big. It was like I know. a big building. I would have loved to have gone and seen it. Yeah, that was the... Only time I was there was, um, yeah, the Mother's Day weekend when I was pregnant. <laughs> so no, we went to D- oh, well, we went to DC once. Yeah, it wasn't. No, it was. Yeah, but we did the other. Right, we did other things. Stuff. I think we walked past it. Okay. When we were like to the car. I remember kind of. Okay. Walked past it, or you know, at least. Well, I know, I know. Las Vegas has the uh, oh, what organized crime museum? Oh, the mob museum. Yeah, the mob museum. Speaking of, I was also at that one with somebody who shall not be named. Ten years ago, after it first opened. I would like to see that one. Yeah, and I have the. Oh, it's not on this wall. I could, it's on my magnet board. <laughs> Because I've, I've got some books on the mafia that I'm, I'm slowly picking up. I, I've got an I, so I got like an idea cooking in the back of my head somewhere. I just have to work cool. on it. They had um part of the St. Valentine's Day. Oh, That's cool. Cool. yeah. Oh God, yeah. That was like probably yeah the best part. Well, I, I've been to I've been to uh, Capone's grave. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was there with uh, my first co-host, Phil. Uh-huh. 
He should shut up. You're right. I don't even know if he's alive anymore. Nobody, nobody's heard from him. That's so weird. All right, folks, we're gonna get on on track here a little bit. Yeah, we only took what a couple minutes or so. so You're right. We're gonna talk about Patty Hearst now. For those of you who may know, she is the granddaughter of the famed newspaper man William Randolph Hearst. Now, she never, she did know her grandpa because he died when she was two, but. An interesting note that I found out in when I took a journalism class. If you guys ever see the, the very classic Orson Welles movie, Rosebud, the character that Orson Welles plays is based off of Hearst. Edison Kane. Yeah. What wow. did I say? You said Rosebud. I'm not. Yeah. Italian, but yeah. It's, I brain I farted. Of Rosebud, another at the Academy Museum. The sled? <laughs> They had a they had a sled moment. Oh, they hadn't. Like, well, there's also a movie if you can see it. Um, I think it's on HBO Max for those of you that might have streaming, and I think it might be under the the Turner Classic Movie section. Uh-huh. There was a movie called the uh, RKO One Eighty Two, which was like the. the oh yeah, prior- I remember when that came. I mean, I don't. I might have rented it when I was in college. Right. I watched it in journalism class and I, it, it tells a story about how Orson Welles made Citizen Kane. And uh, apparently Rosebud was a, a, a very interesting nickname that uh, Hearst had for one of his mistress's um, private parts. Oh. Marion Davies? Yeah, it was probably her. Yes. Yeah, I saw her grave too several times. Right, but I mean, <laughs> apparently there was a, 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 you know, most of you can probably piece it together, but he liked to call a certain something on her body his little rosebud. Cute. Yeah. We should do it with um, Thomas Ince. Okay. Now, Patty, dear sweet Patty, probably the woman that got me into liking crazy women to begin with. Patty was born on February 20th, 1954 in San Francisco, the third of five daughters of Randolph Apperson Hearst and Catherine Wood Campbell. Now, you can figure, rich family like that, there's always that one rambunctious child. It was Patty, folks. Now, she was often, and we're going to put this in quotes for you, she was often asked to leave boarding schools that she attended. Because, you know, a Hearst never gets kicked out of school. They're, they just asked to leave. She grew up primarily in Hillsboro and attended the Crystal Springs School for Girls and the Santa Catalina School in Monterey. Now, it was at Santa Catalina where she met Steve Wood, who was one of her teachers. And just like a, you know, just like a, uh, a plot line for a cheesy porno from the 70s, she started sleeping with her teacher. After graduation, she took a trip to Europe, and upon return, she told her folks she was moving in with Steve. She attended Menlo College in Atherton, California, before transferring to the University of California, Berkeley, and she was living with Steve and had announced her engagement prior to her kidnapping. On February 4th, 1974, 19-year-old Patty Hearst was kidnapped from her Berkeley apartment. She heard a knock at the door, 
When she answered, one of the kidnappers had said that they had hit her car and wanted to call the police. Now, Patty had a very nice-looking classic roadster, and you know, that, that's some money there to fix up if you hit it. So they wanted to call the cops. After she let the first one in, there was a crash, and three more entered the apartment. Now, I kind of figure it's like a, a Three Stooges bit here. You know, the, the one comes in, and the other three just crash in like they don't know what the hell they're doing. Waving guns, trying to be all tough and shit. Now, they asked where the safe was, assuming that the couple had a wall safe. When Steve said they didn't have a safe, he was hit with a gun. So this is what Steve did. Steve got cracked in the head with a gun. He gave him his wall saying, this is all the money I have. Take what you want. Which I think I remember he only had like maybe 20 bucks on him at the time. He didn't have a lot. Now, Patty was tied up on the floor while Steve was docked out. One of their neighbors heard the sounds and came to investigate. He was attacking tied up. Steve got up. He tried to charge the kidnappers, but they fought him off. And, well, instead of standing there to protect his woman, he went running out of the apartment like a scared bitch. How, how's that for chivalry, you know? I was like, that's your meal ticket out right there, too. So, hello. It's like, why are you? <laughs> right. Like, oh, my God. Really, dude? Like, here, meal take what you want. Tomorrow, right? I love you, baby. You're bye. Like you're in jail for, like, you know, <laughs> the statutory rape and everything. So, mm, okay. Right. You know, this, the whole thing is like, you know, if, if you're, for men, like, if your woman's in trouble, you're supposed to stand and defend them. Not this man. Nope. Take what you want. Bye, honey. See you later. Don't forget the trash goes out on Tuesday. As the kidnappers picked up Patty, they fired their guns at some of the other neighbors. Patty was placed in the trunk of a car and they left the scene. An urban guerrilla left-wing group called the Symbanese Liberation Army claimed responsibility for the the abduction. Abduction. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. My mouth just didn't want to work today. Now, the SLA formed as a result of the prison visitation programs of the radical left-wing group Benceramos Organization and had a group known as the Black Cultural Association in Soledad Prison. The idea of the South American-style urban guerrilla movement, similar to the Tumpameros movement in Uruguay, combined with... Uruguay. That, thank you. You're welcome. Once again... It's English, I'll fuck it up. Co- combined with Regis Derbray's theory of urban warfare and ideas drawn from Maoism, appealed to members of appeal to a number of people, including Patricia Michelle Solitsky. Uh, we're just gonna call her Ms. Moon because I ain't even gonna attempt to try to pronounce that one. The SLA formed after the escape from prison by Donald DeFries, alias General Field Marshal Sink. He had been serving five years to life for robbing a prostitute. DeFries took the name Sink from the leader of the slave rebellion, which took over the slave ship Amistad in 1839. That's a good movie. 
I actually have never, I remember it came out, never saw it though. Oh, um, I'm sure they probably have it live. I'm, I'm picturing him. Um, the dude that played um, Hannibal Lecter. God. Oh, Anthony Hopkins. Just Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Goes in here, like, oh my God. Like, Anthony Hopkins played uh, John Quincy Adams in the movie. Saw him. <laughs> I have yet to make it to see. The only presidential graves I've seen is Garfield and Lincoln. Yeah, I haven't like it, but anyway, that's definitely on the list. So, the freeze escaped from Soledad State Prison on March 5th, 1973, by walking away while on work duty in a boiler room located outside the perimeter fence. Yeah. That sounds smart. Well, I, I think he was planning his escape anyway, but then he was he on this work here. detail. And then yeah. he just opened up the door, walked out, and the guards really didn't pay any attention. They're like, eh, he'll come back, right? Just oh, yeah. fresh air. <laughs> uh, bring back a, a 20 piece. <laughs> bring back a bucket of chicken. Yep. DeFries has been had been accused by some sources of being an informant from 1967 to 1969 for the public disorder intelligence unit of the Los Angeles Police Department. Oh, he was a stoolie. DeFries had been active in the Black Cultural Association while at the California Medical Facility, a state prison facility in Vacaville, California, where he had made contacts with members of Vinceramos. Sounds all right. Close enough for me. Yeah. He sought refuge among these contacts and ended up at a commune known as Peking House in the San Francisco Bay Area. Vinceramos associates and future SLA members Willie Wolf and Russell Little, concerned with the potential for exposure through surveillance at the high-profile Peking house, arranged for DeFries to move in with their associate, Ms. Moon, (laughs) to the relative anonymity of Concord, California. DeFries and Ms. Moon became lovers and began to outline the plans for founding the Symbionese Nation. On November 6, 1973, in Oakland, California, two members of the SLA killed school superintendent Marcus Foster and badly wounded his deputy, Robert Blackburn, as the two men left an Oakland school board meeting. The hollow point bullets used to kill Foster had been packed with cyanide. Gotta love that. Yeah, it's like, make sure it works. Right. Now, although Foster had been the first black school superintendent in the history of Oakland, the SLA had condemned him for a supposed plan to introduce identification cards into Oakland schools, calling him, everyone's favorite word lately, fascist. In fact, Foster had already withdrawn his support at the time of his murder. On January 10th, 1974, Joseph Ramiro and Russell Little were arrested and charged with Foster's murder and initially, both men were convicted of murder. Both men received sentences of life imprisonment. Seven years later, on June 5th, 1981, Little's conviction was overturned by the California Court of Appeal, and he was later acquitted in a retrial in Monterey County. Romero remains incarcerated in San Quentin State Prison, serving his life sentence. Man, that's got to suck. Your, but your buddy gets out free and you're still sitting there. 
you think it writes to him? Like, keep keep some update on everything around the world, right? <laughs> like, keep keep uh-uh. some update, <laughs> dear friend. I'm in Chile right now. Now, little has stated who actually pulled the trigger that night. Pulled the trigger that killed Foster was Ms. Moon. Nancy Ling Perry was supposed to shoot Blackburn, but she kind of botched that, and DeFreeze ended up shooting him with a shotgun. The SLA issued an ultimatum to the Hearst family, namely that they would release Patty in exchange for the freedom of Romero and Little. When such an arrangement proved impossible, the SLA demanded a ransom in the form of a food distribution program. The value of the food to be distributed fluctuated. On February 23rd, the demand was for $4 million. It peaked at $400 million. Although free food was distributed, the operation was halted when violence erupted at one of the four distribution points. This happened because the crowds were much greater than expected, and people were injured as panicked workers threw boxes of food off moving trucks into the crowd. <laughs> Reminds me of a certain someone throwing paper towels. At yeah. And that's yeah. my social commentary for the night. After the SLA demanded that a community coalition called the Western Edition Project Area Committee be put in charge of the food distribution, 100,000 bags of groceries were handed out at 16 locations across four counties between February 26th and the end of March. Now, as you remember from last week's episode, Jim Jones and his People's Temple donated manpower and money to this cause with Jones offering to take Patty's place in exchange for her safe return. During her first week in captivity, Patty was kept in the closet where she was I'm in the closet. I'm in the closet. Where she was given SLA literature to read. Slowly, she was given more freedom and developed a crush on one of the members. Uh, It was Willie Wolf. Okay, thank you. Slowly, Patty came to hate the world of her parents and the fact that the man who was supposed to protect her left her to the mercy of the kidnappers. I well, love you, honey. I blame her for that one. Oh, no. I'm, I'm not blaming her either. Yeah. I think um, basically the first second, like he ran out, that's when I was started. Um, you know, you know if, if that had been me, if that had been me and I left my fiance on the floor to, to be tied up, I could just hear right now. Wedding's off, asshole. Mm-hmm. Bye, honey. Don't forget the trash goes out Tuesday. Yes, and as I said earlier, your meal ticket too. <laughs> right, because you ain't making much on a teacher salary, there, buddy. I know, right? Because you know that's probably what attracted him, with air quotes. Oh yeah, because he was a hearst man. Yeah. Now, I mean, although. Although her dad wasn't like, not like her grandpa, where her grandpa was like fully in charge of the paper. Yeah. Uh huh. Her dad, he left his sons like they were in charge in name only. William Randolph Hearst had good editors that ran the paper. So these guys could just, you know, lap a luxury for the rest of their life. Yeah. Uh huh. So. Okay. Yep. Okay. Slowly, Patty became became to believe in the doctrine of the SLA, and in a recording to her parents, Patty changed her name to Tanya, 
and became a member of the SLA. Now they had to plan a bank robbery. All right. Dun, dun, dun. That's where we're going to hold off on Patty for this week, folks. Uh, next week, we will continue the story of Patty Hearst. Yeah, th- this is going to be a short one. This is a two-parter because um, the, the book that I used for the research, if you guys ever find it, it's, it's called, uh, I'm looking in the wrong place now. I, I redid my shelves. Uh, American Heiress. I had to go through a lot of chapters where they were just talking about the, uh, the radical underground movement of the seventies. How like, radical was it? Man, the, the thing, and, and I mean, we could take a little bit here about it. The, this radical movement of the seventies was just le- leftovers from the sixties, you know, the black Panthers and all that. And these were just kids who were trying to, shock up their parents so to speak i mean some of them did fight for good causes but a lot of them were just oh hey let's be radical because i don't like the way my parents lived their life man fucking boomers actually um patty hearst they're really more like the boomer right but i mean you know Yes, but the comment, like, you know, your boomer comment doesn't really apply because... Well, I mean, the, these were kids who were probably born in the 50s, like Patty. Yes, was, and was coming boomers. It <laughs> was coming to age in the 70s, and they, they kind of missed out on, on all that radicalness of the 60s with the hippies and the Black Panthers and the Chicago 7. Yeah, but I'm saying... That yeah, they were the boomers. Yeah, tail end and all that, but still a boomer. So, joke does not land. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I tried. Yeah. Well, see, when you said you were reading, you know, American, I thought you were, you said you were going to be reading Confessions of an Heiress. No. <laughs> no. Like, why are we covering Paris Hilton? No, no. I mean, I, I found the book. American heiress. I was up at uh, one of my favorite used bookstores, half price books. Mm-hmm. And I was selling some stuff up there and I just happened to look out of the corner of my eye and there was the book. And I went, I'm buying this because I have always wanted to read about Patty Hearst. And I mean, it, it was a surprisingly good book. Uh, when we get into it next week, um, when she was mo- when she was moved around the country, she was out in your area for a while. They hit her in the Pennsylvania countryside. Okay. I must think there was um, I think it was like the Hiltons. I have to look a little more into, but the um, the one or I'm like talking of my you know what now kind of thing. yeah there's um we'll have to look more into it but one of the hiltons is buried at holy cross i think there's like some with them too it's not like you know the kidnapping and everything but there's uh, some sort of like i mean i'll look into it kind of with that right well i okay. mean the the not, you really not can't totally interesting but you really can't um 
Not like you, out of course. Ooh, that would be a good one too. You're gonna have to, on you're gonna, all these names you keep popping up, you're gonna have to send me a list. Okay. So I can start yeah. looking in the books. But yeah, out of course, that would be a good one too. And there was actually a really good book on with that too. I read that at the library. I'm waiting for someone to write a good book on Bill Cosby. Because I have a whole lot of Cosby jokes I could do. Uh-huh. I know, that's what I was thinking, like at the temple. Like, wow, we've had like that didn't graduate, but Ted Bundy. Yeah. Howard Unruh. Okay. Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, isn't that enough for you? Like, you're right. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> but yeah, just they did not get an actual degree, people. So they're not a real L. <laughs> right. Okay, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, you know where to find us, Podbean, CastBox, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Yes. Yeah, Spotify's I'm actually happy we're on Spotify cuz now we now like you know people who buy Android phones, Spotify is included on it. Back at him first. I guess, yeah, I forgot it was included, but yeah, when you say like, you know, the other names are like, huh, what, Podbean, what? Right, well, Spotify. Spotify. Oh, Spotify. Yes, yeah, Spotify is a big one, so you know, if you you got Spotify, you can find us on there. Just look for Remember? Yeah, just look for Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs 2.0. Wait for the, you know, 2.0. Oh, five or something. Right. Well, I just had an email earlier from um, T Public who handles our t shirts, which oh. nobody's really bought any. Well, too, but then also we need a better. Right. Well, I told them we're going to have some new designs coming through. So yeah, uh, they said just keep them design. in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need a new design. I was like, I've been I, kind of slacking on that. So. Well, I understand it's the summer. We've all been busy. Yeah. Dogs out barking at, like, I don't know, somebody walking by. So, um, for Killers, Cults, and Nut Jobs, I'm Scotty J. Say goodnight, Monica. Good night, Monica. This concludes our broadcast day. Good night, and God bless America.